there's definitely new issues and vulnerabilities and exploits happening every day. I mean, you close the door on an attacker, patch up an exploit, they'll just find another one. That's just what they do. It's never ending. And for someone to think that they have the perfect infrastructure that can't be hacked, they're just kidding themselves because there is always a way. This podcast is brought to you by Merksec, the specialists in security, search, and recruitment solutions. Visit MerckSec.com to connect today. Welcome to Destination Cyber, the podcast where we sit down with cyber industry leaders and movers and shakers and find out what makes them tick. We explore their careers, the mistakes they made, trials and tribulations, lessons learnt, and the invaluable insights and knowledge they've picked up along the way. Now here's your host, Lachlan Korn. William McDessey is the Cyber Risk Lead at InConsults, helping organizations develop or improve their cyber resilience. In recent years, he has worked with a large number of local government areas, state governments, insurers, health insurers to assess maturity, aid in continual improvement and even develop complete frameworks from scratch. With a highly technical background, William provides a uniquely personal point of view, having dealt with threats firsthand. Through framework development, awareness training, phishing campaigns, and much more, he is on a mission to help critical areas of Australian business better prepare rather than waiting around to respond. I'm your host, Logan Korn, and this is Destination Cyber. Hello, William. Thank you for hopping on today to speak with us. How have you been? Good, Lachlan. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Well, let's get started, shall we? First off, I guess I want to just to say that we start these series normally about speaking a bit about your role in general, in a general sense, and then we work um, a bit deeper and deeper and deeper to learn about sort of the specific de- details, like what you do day to day. So I guess the fundamental question, obviously, is what is a cyber risk lead role? So yeah, I am the cyber risk lead at InConsult. Uh just to give you a bit of a, a background, InConsult does provide risk management services. So it is very risk-based. Uh, as, as you said, Lachlan, we provide services for a lot of local government, state government, insurers, health insurers, uh, ASX-listed companies. Uh, but as the cyber risk lead in particular, I work with a lot of organizations to develop their information security framework. Um, I know for a lot of uh, younger people in cybersecurity, they don't really know a lot about what information security frameworks are essentially, but um, this helps to enhance essentially the defense of an organization prior to an incident occurring. It assesses their key IT risks, it assigns responsibilities to staff, and also just having processes in place in case something goes wrong. So this includes um, designing complete incident response plans, training staff on popular types of attacks, running phishing campaigns, and a whole lot more. Uh, I've also worked with organizations after an attack, so to determine the best approach to respond to an incident, uh, ensuring healthy communication. Uh, They want to make sure they're addressing their clients correctly, regulatory bodies, the media, things like that. And just to give a background on what I have been doing recently, uh, just today actually I submitted a report following a cyber attack on an importing business, uh, summarizing my assessment of their vulnerabilities. And we provide recommendations for them on how to remediate them. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, I provided advice to a local government council following a widespread data breach that affected more than just one. And this week, I finished designing a Microsoft 
365 phishing campaign and finalized an essential eight cybersecurity audit for another government body. So I do perform wow. a lot of cybersecurity audits, vulnerability scanning, and a whole lot more. So it's quite a large scope, uh, but it's all very risk-based, trying to address things before they happen. And I suppose finding the issues before an attacker finds them. Well, my mission really is uh, just trying my absolute hardest to improve the maturity of cybersecurity. Uh, I wish in Australia as a whole, but one business at a time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can't go, can't go shooting for the stars just yet, especially. Um, <laughs> and when you talk about the framework and the strategy, I, I mean, obviously it's very strategic. Uh, do you have a process on how one de- goes about developing a strategy? Is that learned through a studying or is that based on just more experience, the more you um, go through the industry, the more you can tailor make them to the specific client you're talking to? It's definitely a, a mix of both. Um, if I was to say my experience when I first started working on frameworks was good when I first started in this role, I would compare to now and I would say I had no idea what I was doing. So <laughs> a lot of it comes with experience. I've only been working here two and a half years, but in that time, I've learned a lot more about frameworks. You spend the time reading through articles. You spend that time looking into guidelines that are issued by regulatory bodies as well. And you just learn more day to day. Some of it came from my education, but I actually don't have cybersecurity qualification. So even though I am the cyber risk lead, I did only actually study IT at university, not cybersecurity. So um, a little bit different to what is expected, a little bit unusual, a lot of misconception around the requirement that you actually study a cybersecurity course to get into cybersecurity. So definitely not the case. I see. And I guess it's a perfect segue into sort of the next main question that we want to focus on is, why did you study um, IT? What sparked your interest in the sort of cybersecurity realm? And how was that process like? What was that process like? For IT specifically, IT in general, uh, I think it actually started when I was quite young. Uh, I was always interested in electronics. And around year eight, year nine in school, I had this crappy PC that was inherited from my brother. <laughs> and it had a Pentium MMX, it had four gigabytes of storage, which was massive at the time. And I was so stoked about this PC. I went and bought an RGB fan for it. And even though you couldn't see the fan after you install it, I was just excited knowing that it was in there. But for cybersecurity, which is more of a subset of IT, the specific area, I actually hadn't heard of it much. Um, I was on a trip to Dubai in 2017. And I suddenly realized cybersecurity was extremely hot. It was the hot topic. They wanted workers yesterday. There were so many opportunities in cybersecurity in 2017. They were offering high paid roles with apartments and cars all paid for. Um, I didn't have any experience in it and I wasn't anywhere near qualified at the time, so I couldn't really apply. But I came back to Australia and I was like, cybersecurity, what is this? And I'm, I'm looking around in Australia and no one's even talking about it. It wasn't even a topic of interest. It wasn't really until I think 2020 that it, it really started to kick off in Australia but I think that's with most things we're a little bit behind here okay and in terms of getting that um, interest and the experience how how did you get that qualification did you go back and study or did you go find an, uh, a base internship or did you find some contacts how did that process work so I actually straight out of high school studied a bachelor's degree in science in information technology at UTS in Broadway Sydney to be blunt about the course, a lot of the content I learned in the first few years was stuff I already learned playing with my crappy PC at home. It wasn't actually that valuable. But at the end of the day, it gave me a certificate that was valuable. 
I, I don't think I would have been able to get the role I'm in now as cyber risk lead without that certification. That being said, I still didn't have any cybersecurity certification. So it was kind of a bit of a lucky straw. It was also a combination of, you know, doing my absolute best to exert confidence and um, show that I am capable of learning and rapidly evolving. And the director of where I'm working now actually agreed to help develop a cybersecurity product with me because I had the technical background. Uh, once I was employed as well, I had the opportunity to study a cybersecurity audit course with ISACA, uh, and that's definitely been extremely valuable in winning uh, quite a few audit cybersecurity audit jobs that we've won over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the cybersecurity audit, um, how long did that process take, and what was that like an online or was that in in person? Was that a very university like course, or was that no, more like a no. hands on or so laid back um, online? You have 12 months, read this book and do an exam. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot easier than university. University was, I think, three and a half years for the science and IT mm. course. Yep. Um, but with the ISACA course, they give you a full year to get it done. It, look, it was still quite hard. It was a hard course. It was based on the NIST cybersecurity framework, which is quite comprehensive. But in my opinion, one of the best fr- frameworks there are. But it, it shows competence and capability in auditing a cybersecurity framework, which a lot of people don't really have that capability uh, at the moment. So it's actually quite a good thing to have it under your belt. Okay. And did you find that when you were doing university compared to this audit and how you were motivated and disciplined and studying towards it, did you find that there was a big difference between those two courses? Was like this interest and- In motivation, definitely. I mean, when when I was at uni, I think just because of my age and um, the whole expectation around coming out of school and going straight to uni, it was more of a, I have to do this because I have to, not because I actually mm. wanted to even though I loved IT, uh, but a lot of it was uh, around the uh, project management frameworks like software development life cycles and all that boring stuff that I'm sure you guys know. Uh, but when it came to the ISACA course, having such an amazing workplace with an amazing culture in an, a gorgeous office, it was really motivating. So it really pushed me to just drive and keep going. Um, I mean, I, I want to keep studying, but I've just got too much work on to keep studying, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I get that. I get that. And going on from this audit in the Osaka workplace, you had um, a job lined up outside of the finishing and completing that course or? No. So I actually got the job before I started that course and my employer actually covered the cost of it, which was really nice. So it was more just about expanding my capability in the cybersecurity realm. So instead of just doing reviews and risk management, I was able to actually perform certified audits. So that added an additional uh, layer to the scope of my capability. And what was the initial impression when you got into this this job? It's, I know it's it's not too too different per se from an IT um, to this role, not drastically, but in in that in those small nuances that you find, what was that initial impression? It was completely different. So no one really talks about risk management, business continuity, incident response plans in any of the IT courses I've done. I know there's been some reform and a a lot of the newer cybersecurity courses and some of the existing ones are having changes made to actually include those kinds of responses and frameworks. Um, But when I studied IT, when I did the iPsycho course as well, there really wasn't a heavy focus on what risk management was. So when I started this role, even though I had a technical background experience, um, I, I was doing things I'd never heard of before. I didn't know what 
a enterprise risk management framework was. I didn't know what a risk register was. I didn't know that businesses had a continuity plan on how to respond during a disaster. I know there's emergency response plans when there's a fire and things like that, but there are very meticulously planned out response strategies for specific systems going down, for loss of staff, for loss of specific buildings, everything you could possibly think of. Now take that and add in another risk category, which is loss of IT services. That's also something very important. So I was suddenly just thrown into this whole risk management and business continuity world that I'd never heard of. And it was actually a good thing, kind of fell into a role as a mediator because I had technical background experience. I was learning about risk management and business continuity at the same time. I was able to communicate with a lot of IT managers and chief information security officers and businesses who also had never heard of risk management or business continuity. So I was talking their language from a technical perspective but I was providing them the guidance they need to start assessing their infrastructure from a risk-based approach and really understanding what kind of risks are posed to them on a day-to-day basis. And why risk um, out of all the different arees of cybersecurity? So we, you know, in this, in this series, we're speaking to senior research engineers. We've been speaking to cyber, uh, we have been speaking to cyber risk management specialists. We've also been speaking to chief strategists and directors and whatnot. Why did these, um, the risk element of cybersecurity hit you hard the most? To be honest, uh, it's just something I'd never heard of and something that seemed like it was in extremely low resource, I guess you could say. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't really know of many people who are doing it, which is typically a good thing. Uh, you, you don't want to be someone that's easily replaceable. So as a comparative um, example, let's say a penetration tester, a lot of cybersecurity courses exude the importance of penetration testing. Yes, penetration testing is important. I'm not saying it's not. But there are so many penetration testers. And a lot of penetration testing is actually outsourced as well. We, in fact, one of our partners outsources their penetration testing to India. And there are a lot of capable penetration testers in India. Mm. And it begs the question, do I want to be just another one of those key pushers that performs the same testing as everyone else that doesn't really have much prospect in growth or uh, uh, enhancing my career in IT. Risk management was one of those positions where there aren't a lot of people who are doing it. There is potential for growth. It is extremely valuable, even though it's not fully appreciated in Australia yet. Uh, risk management in IT applies to every single possible industry you could think of. Definitely a good point. So I guess what I'm trying to um, get at from you is that, so you found that there was a gap in the market with a low resource and high demand. You found that Australia generally, or some businesses within Australia outsource those certain roles overseas, which means that those capabilities for those jobs weren't as, I guess, viable. So is, is, is it, I guess, different countries have different supply and demand chains. And you think um, for Australia, those risks areas are going to be one of the most sought after. Is there any other areas in the cybersecurity industry that also you think are going to be those high high demands and low supply? Well, well, to give credit where credit is due, um, it was actually one of the directors where I'm working who identified this gap. So I see. (laughs) Give him a shout out. (laughs) So yeah, thanks, Tony. Um, So I didn't actually know what the role fully entailed. I mean, I, I knew it was a cybersecurity role. I didn't know it was based on cyber risk particularly. And to be fair, we have kind of molded the position based on supply and demand and 
what has actually happened in the market. So if someone asks, oh, can you guys do this? And we've never done it before, but we know we're capable of it, we'll fill that gap. So a lot of it has happened as, I suppose, just a fluid involvement with the market as well. I would say cyber risk is probably one of the greatest areas to get in, in my opinion, just because it's so fun. It's always different every day. I'm always client-facing. It's exciting to meet new people and have new challenges. There are other areas of cybersecurity that are also important. I mean, I know when it comes to penetration at an enterprise level, penetration testing makes some serious coin. Obviously, when you're talking at an enterprise level, there are some things that do really well in cybersecurity. Mm. Um, but when it comes to frameworks, documentation, that is something in Australia that a lot of people have no clue about. And to be able to provide that service is really good. Yeah, look, if I'm to compare, the only thing is I'd, I'd probably just say cyber risk is the best for me only because of what you actually do every day. Being able to talk to people, train people every day, I find that more exciting. Um, even though I am technical by background, I don't want to be someone sitting behind a desk coding or testing all day. That's just not how I am. Mm. And by ex getting experience into this industry, was it surprising to you to see how many risks there were in the cybersecurity industry? Like, did that sort of come into your mind when you go, wow, there's new things every single day because there's always these weaknesses that each enterprise has? Or was it more like, oh, I guess I knew that there was going to be some um, vulnerabilities um, as always, you know, that kind of thing? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I always knew there's a plethora of risks. I've been dabbling on the dark web and questionable things on the internet for quite some time just out of curiosity and interest when I'm sitting at home. So even before I got into the role, I knew there was a lot of uh, crazy stuff happening uh, when it comes to vulnerabilities and exploiting organizations. That being said, I didn't realize how bad the environment is in Australia. I know that we're generally behind when it comes to things, but the cybersecurity maturity in Australia is uh, so much worse than I thought it would be. So there's definitely a mountain of work available. There's definitely new issues and vulnerabilities and exploits happening every day. I mean, you close the door on an attacker, patch up an exploit, they'll just find another one. That's just, that's just what they do. Uh, it's never ending. And for someone to think that they have the perfect infrastructure that can't be hacked, they're just kidding themselves because there is always a way to find a way in. Absolutely. It's like trying to uh, plug holes into a sinking ship that's got thousands of them. So um, the water will always find a way through. Um, I guess moving on from this, because you've had some um, experience in the cybersecurity industry, have there been any noticeable mistakes, whether it's been personal or whether it's just been strategic? And with those mistakes, what would you do in the future if you had your time again? Or how are you adapting to those mistakes now? Oh, yeah, look, I think anyone who answers this question and says there's nothing I'd change, they're just kidding themselves. There's always <laughs> things you can do better. Uh, but for, for IT in my career, I learned a little bit too late in my career that um, the company you work for can determine your passion in the field. Uh, just because one employer does not value you as a person, it does not mean you are not valuable. Now, I try to say that humbly. I'm not trying to say I'm great or mm. anything, but I have worked in some really toxic environments. And at one point, it actually turned me off the industry. I even took a two-year hiatus from IT and worked in childcare. And really, it's uh, one of the major red flags for that is micromanagement. If there is zero trust in your employees and management um, are constantly asking what you are doing or constantly checking on your work, even though you're meeting your deadlines or your quotas, 
it's really not a workplace you want to be working in. And do you have any strategies on how you would find out about one's workplace or at least a bit about a culture from these sort of experiences when you hop into these new enterprises? Do you, is it a matter of just testing the water beforehand or how would you best strategize when going into the cybersecurity industry? Oh, look, there's plenty of guides and videos online you can find that tell you red flags to look out for when you go to interviews. So there are some quite obvious red flags to look for. Um, you know, things like not wanting to discuss the wage with you. They should be open and transparent, transparent from the day they meet you or the second they meet you to be talking about wages. That's not a problem. There's other things as well, but um, that's not really something I specialize in. But if you're working in a workplace and you see these red flags, I think what's more important is not the fact that you should stay aware for and notice these red flags. It's more don't become complacent because I'm sure a lot of us see red flags all the time in jobs that we've worked in, but we just want to stay there because it's too much effort to change. We're earning a good wage or we just got the job. There's nothing wrong with walking away from something if there's too many red flags. You just got to make sure you keep your initiative up. You just got to make sure you don't become complacent because if I was to look back and tell my younger self some advice, it would be push for a higher qualification role sooner. Don't become <laughs> complacent. Apply for jobs all the time. Uh, even jobs where I don't necessarily have the experience. That's because in my experience, the majority of roles that are available online, they may not actually find someone who has that kind of experience. They kind of shoot a bit above um, their requirements. They, they, they try to shoot their shot, as you say. Yep. And as long as you exert confidence and capability, most of the time you'll be able to bypass that experience requirement. It does take time though. I mean, I stayed up till 1 a.m. literally every night for six months straight and I never got a single interview. Uh, it actually started to affect me. I, I, I started to think, hey, what am I doing wrong? But you always constantly have to re revise the way you're applying. But I thought it was more of an issue with me then. And I started to really get in my own head. And then all of a sudden, towards the end of that six-month period, in one week, I had the fortune of being offered three jobs just like that. Wow. And I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. But it, it showed that that perseverance of six months actually paid off. Yes, it was yeah. tiring, but it actually paid off. So I was actually given the opportunity to choose between three different roles, all amazing workplaces, but I was able to choose one that I thought had the best prospect and best opportunities for me in future. Definitely. I would, I would have, honestly would have thought that the mental strain would have been just being through sleep deprivation after six months of being up at 1am, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you do you. And it, you're, it's a really good point actually, because um, you know, sometimes people get into their heads and think maybe it's me, maybe it's my qualification, maybe it's my ability, but Again, it's so hard to judge a character based on a one simple application without really getting, like you said, those interviews and getting to sort of show yourself more than just a piece of paper. But it's yeah. also important to show that by upskilling yourself where you can, you can get those opportunities to have the interviews in the first place and then show off your, your talent. So it's a sort of a double-edged sword there. That's right. Um, in terms of your, when you were mentioning these kind of uh, issues and tips within the cybersecurity industry, Obviously, there are some roles that are seen or comparable in other industries, but what would you think is special or unique in the realm of consulting in regards to the cybersecurity industry compared to perhaps consulting in a marketing perspective or a sales perspective? Is there, there, do you find there are perks or differences? Well, with IT risk now, a core focus of directors and C-level 
um, cyber risk is pretty much required in all industries. So if you ask um, you know, a large sample of organizations, what is your primary concern at the C-level for CEOs, for CISOs, uh, COOs, what are they worried about? There's two major concerns that come up in Australia. It's, it's a hard battle between ESG and cyber risk. So cyber risk is definitely up there as one of the major concerns. Uh, even if an industry in Australia hasn't realized it yet, they, they need cyber risk and cyber risk consulting. A good example of this actually is that report I put in today um, relating to the manufacturing and construction industry in Australia. It hasn't really been reported on much in the media here, but um, both industries are currently experiencing quite a lot of uh, cyber attacks. And a lot of that comes back to outdated IT practices. They're companies that have been around for decades. They might have bought a PC when Windows XP was still out and they're still using that Windows XP device to run a drilling machine, things like that. Um, but they're seeing things like emails being hacked, invoices intercepted, and their banking details changed, huge financial losses. It's happening uh, quite all, all across Australia. And cyber risk is, is needed to address these vulnerabilities and exploits. It affects, honestly, every industry in Australia. The problem is here, what we typically do is we respond rather, uh, or we react rather than um, try to plan proactively. Um, and that's the problem. So if you have someone who's risk aware, join the team, they might take that leap to be proactive towards cyber risk and they'll bring someone like us on board. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes our interactions are with clients where something's already happened. Okay, I got you. And I guess moving on a little bit to, I mean, obviously these things that you say about the cyber, cyber risk area of the cybersecurity realm are very interesting and fascinating. How would you pitch your job to someone like a graduating university student who doesn't really know where to begin, whether they should go for a cyber risk or whether they should go to a penetration tester or whether they should go to another sort of job realm? How would you pitch cyber risk to them? Um, I think I'd just pitch it by the same premise that I actually enjoy the role. It's that um, it's very client facing and you get to really be out there and meeting a lot of new people. So I suppose I'd say, do you like sitting behind a desk and penetration testing systems all day or do you want to go to coffees and have meetings with people and discuss their infrastructure and and provide assurance and make them feel better at the end of the day because you're giving them the security they need definitely so it's very um, relations based with with people rather than being coding or any other of those uh, job titles yeah that's right so i guess it depends on who you are as a person and what you prefer but that's what i would try to pitch it as. definitely awesome and how would you see the cyber risk role changing, I guess, in the next decade? I mean, Australia obviously has a certain direction it needs to start taking. And like you're saying, it was a little bit behind. Do you think that that is going to see your role and your importance go shoot up to a priority in Australia? Yeah, definitely. And we have seen that progression occurring over the last year or so, that, that um, demand increase. Uh, but a good way to predict it is really just to look overseas like most things with with comparison to australia so if you look at america europe uh the united arab emirates they have entire cybersecurity teams and organizations i mean like teams of 10 or more um which sounds crazy in australia mm. um there's full-time roles of people focusing all of their energy every day 
ensuring cyber risk, cyber security are all up to scratch, assessing the infrastructure, training staff, performing audits, deploying, deploying controls, all kinds of stuff. And it's just never ending. And I just feel like that's where we're headed. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I guess also another question I wanted to ask, which might be a bit more specific, but and a bit more of a jump, I guess, but um, some people like to know what the other perks of being in the cyber risk industry or generally cybersecurity industry. Some were asking about, do you get traveling opportunities or are there other of those sort of non-monetary benefits for, for people who work in a similar role to you? Look, it really depends who you're working for. Um, there are quite a large variety of different cybersecurity companies, depending on what services they provide and like that. I mean, if you're company you're working for is just a company that provides tech support i'm sure we all know having been in a tech support role myself they don't really provide a lot of perks um unless it's like some new cutting edge tech support business that likes to model themselves against google or something like that but when it comes to these other companies that provide other services i mean my employer for example they're extremely relaxed with things they provide a lot of perks i mean they provide technology for you uh, laptops, phones, whatever you want. There's a lot of uh, coverage of any kinds of costs. So if you buy your food, you buy a coffee, you do this, do that, they'll just cover it. They don't care. That's fine. Because what we're offering as a service, I mean, is there's so much value to what we're offering. There's so much demand for it that it, I guess it kind of balances out. It's not you know, comparable to, say, Dubai and all that. I know in Dubai, there's a lot of roles you can get there in IT where they offer you things like a paid apartment and a car and things like that. Mm. But that's just a completely different market there. I mean, even the amount they're paying for roles is completely different. But I suppose that that, again, also balances because the cost of living there is extremely expensive. So I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Um, definitely. I guess my sort of final question for this is, is what skills would one must have to sort of fit into the role of a, a cyber risk lead? What, what three personalities and three skill sets would one need? It's funny because I'm actually trying to recruit someone in cybersecurity. So I have been thinking about this quite a bit. <laughs> Perfect. I don't know if I'd be able to give three for each, but there are just a couple of things I definitely have been looking for recently. Uh, one of them is extremely rapid learning capability. Uh, I mean, the cyber threat environment is constantly evolving. You'll do some research on a particular type of ransomware and then all of a sudden the next week, a new criminal group has come out and they've taken that ransomware and automated it into a package so a child could buy it and deploy it. Like There's just things constantly changing. So you need to be on the ball. It's like they used to tell you in English in high school, you need to read the news. You need to stay on top of the news. They even taught me that in the IT degree at UTS. Read the newspaper. Stay on top of everything. Uh, obviously, we're not reading newspapers anymore, but do your online research, same thing. I also think it's actually quite beneficial to have a technical background. So I had no experience or qualifications in cybersecurity, but I still got my job. So the technical background is what paid off the most and actually what won me the position. So understanding how threats work, how to foil an attack, even learning how to manually pull apart a piece of malware without reformatting a device is technical capability that is very valuable knowing how these things work. It goes a long way. Yeah, just don't be misguided by the idea that penetration testing is the only technical skill you need. There are other things as well. I mean, even being an absolute gun at spreadsheets 
is so valuable in this role. It's not even funny, especially when you're doing audits. Automating your data analysis is so important. Another thing I would say, especially if you're going into cyber risk and client-facing, anything client-facing really, uh, you need to also have confidence. People are coming to you with fear on their backs. They are organizations or individuals who are worried about being sued. They're worried about being hacked, losing their data, getting fired, losing money, all kinds of things. These are people who have no idea about IT. They're not interested in knowing. They're just extremely scared at the moment. So you need to make sure you exert confidence. You need to show them that you're capable of taking care of it because your job is to make them feel confident and comfortable. So just make sure you have that kind of energy that really lights the room up when you walk in, especially if you're going to be doing things like running phishing campaigns or training staff. If you don't have the capability to actually take command of a room and get attention, no one's going to listen and they're not going to use you again the next time they need to do training. So make sure you have that ability. Okay, definitely. I mean, very good point. I mean, these all these different um, recommendations are very valuable. I'm sure the audience would learn a lot from uh, your recommendations. But, well, thank you very much, William, for coming on and speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. This has been another KBI Media Production.